This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How's things? Ah, I'm going very well, thank you. Uh, look, before we start the show, we've got a small favour to ask. We're coming to the end of the financial year and taking stock of where we're at. Through our stats, we know we've got one of the highest listened through rates in the industry. Now we're on a drive to grow our listener numbers. So if you know one person who is intelligent, curious about the world with a good sense of humor, then please tell them about us or tag them in one of our socials posts. That would really help us out. And if you're here because someone told you about it, then welcome. As always, big show coming up. Let's get into it. I hope you're not a data hater because we've got lots of wages and labor data coming at you. Uh, Normally I'd pronounce it data, obviously, but I couldn't find anything to rhyme with data. Except farter, but that's not the kind of humour we're about on this show. We're far too highbrow for fart jokes. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. Did you eat your Wheaties this morning? Well, I hope you enjoyed them because we're entering a wheat shortage. Will Aussie kids really have to become kale smoothie kids instead? No more Big Macs for Russia. Uh, after McDonald's gave it the big net. Uh, the company is putting an end to its business in Russia after 30 years. Plus, we've got more of your listener questions coming up a little later in the show. But first, Thomas, I cast my vote weeks ago, so I actually forgot it was on. But apparently there was an election last weekend. What did you make of the federal election? Yeah, I had a, I had a wonderful time. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I always enjoy staying up and watching the count come in. Really? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. Hmm. I find. Uh, I was at the swimming. I went to the uh, Australian National Swimming Championships. It was on in Adelaide. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Horses for courses, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, interesting results, I reckon. I mean, yeah, epic results, well covered in the paper. But the thing that the thing that jumps out for me is that I reckon what we're looking at is a disruption of two party politics. Like if you think mm. about politics as an industry, it's run by a du- duopoly. The duopoly's con- controlled market share for generations, uh, but now it's getting disrupted, and you've got these sort of incomers cutting cutting their turf. And right. yeah, and so the, the way I, the way I sort of see it, so you know, Warren Buffett talks about moats. Moats are these things that protect a company's business, a company's market share from competitors. Mm. I reckon the two major parties had four moats, and those moats uh, have steadily been eroding over the last few years and then really collapsed 
with with this election. What were the moats? Well, the four moats are people. First one's mm. people. So they used to control a, a lot of people, had a lot of volunteers, but membership of the major parties has been dwindling quickly in recent years. They're having more and more trouble turning out voters to election booths and these sort of things. So, yeah, so they're not controlling people the way they used to. On the flip side, social media has made uh, gathering a large number of people for a campaign, particularly for an independent campaign, if you have an inspiring candidate, it's much easier for them to mobilise a large number of people. So mm. controlling people is not the moat that it used to be. The second one is media power. So the Murdoch press ran a you know, ran hard behind the coalition, but they're still very much in the two-party model, the mainstream media. Like you think about the leaders' debate. So Labor won with thir- like a 33% of the popular vote, well, of the primary vote. Coalition didn't do much better. So the leaders' debate is two people who control at most 60% of the vote mm. like it's kind of a, it's a bit redundant to talk about you know the, the leaders debate because there's a lot of other players that are, that are just as relevant in the u.s don't they have a they have a lot more people in the leaders debate like in the in the run up to the pre- presidential election i think they have yeah, i remember primaries. seeing debates of like yeah like 10 people or is that just to yeah, pick the leader of the party that's to pick the candidate yeah ah. so the republican primaries and yeah yeah, yeah so right. that's that's to pick the candidate for each party yeah right. so media like you used to have for the smaller parties it was much harder to get your message out because the media were the gatekeepers of it and if you weren't coming from a major party, then you were they, they treated you as irrelevant and you didn't get mm. any airtime. So so the collapse of sort of the, the mainstream media business model and the rise of sort of the internet and then social media has meant that traditional media is not as important as it, as it used to be, not and not mm. even close. So you can you can really run a, a campaign, a successful campaign entirely through social media, which I think you know most of the independents that got up, that's what they were using social media. Hmm. So that so that used to be a moat in favour of the two parties. That doesn't that's not so that's not a thing anymore. The third one, the third moat is money. So they used to you know used to get a lot of donations. They you know they're very well funded, still very well funded, but the like the teal independents in in Sydney and and Melbourne they were very well funded as well, and they were able to tap uh, private donors. Um, the Climate Two Hundred Fund got behind them as well, but. You know they were they were going dollar for dollar with the major parties through the election through yeah through the campaign in those seats. Is that both though they got the Australia two hundred? That was uh, what's his name Holmes Accord. Holmes Accord. Yeah. Yeah. He still had to fund it though. Like it, it still required like a like a billionaire to come along and and sponsor I, it, it, the it, independent. It didn't definitely it? helped, but I think he was saying that he only funded a third of the teal the teal candidates. So two thirds came from the community or from other donors. So he was. He's saying right. he was, yeah, yeah, yes, he was instrumental, yeah. but he wasn't the sum of it. Like it, there was significant other money in, involved as well. I had never heard teal before Saturday night. As a like, as I was a, a poor power game. I'd never, I'd never heard mm. teal as a political party color. And it's not. It's a in their independence, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. And there's a teal wave all of a sudden. <laughs> I was getting hit by a teal wave. I'd never even heard of the color before. You hadn't heard it before um, Saturday. No. Yeah, right. It must have, yeah. Nice rock you live under. <laughs> um, it seemed to me, though, and this is my casual observation, it seemed to me that um, a lot of this teal wave was women as well. It seems like there's a there was a strong mm. shift towards more women coming into the political landscape than 
you know, the old yeah. boys club that seemed to exist up until now. Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at the the polling, like the Liberal vote the, with women collapsed with the Brittany Higgins allegations when they came right. when they came to light. Like the, the the female vote collapsed, and it, and the way it was the allegation itself, but then also the way it was handled mm. is sort of like there's a lot of analysis saying that that uh, yeah there's a lot yeah really on the nose with female voters. So a lot of a lot of the candidates though, and a lot of the successful candidates, and and that was across um, you know in my election in my electorate in Boothby we had um, two women on on from Labor and Liberal who are running as well. Um, so mm. it seems like there's a definitely a push to get more women involved in politics and, and more representation. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the great stories that come out of it, I think. Mm. And it's not yeah. it's not only the end of the sausage fest in Parliament. 50% of votes were either pre-polling or postal votes, so it seems like the sausage fest on Election Day might soon be finished too, yeah. which is incredible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm childish. I wanted to get the phrase <laughs> sausage fest in there. Uh, it's, it's once every four years, people. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who knows? Maybe the next election we might even have a voting day. Like what? I don't get why why it has mm. to happen on one day. I still don't understand. Mm. We might, who knows? We might be able to vote using a computer soon, using this new thing called the internet. Who knows? It's a brave <laughs> new world we're heading into, Thomas. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anyway, the the last the last moat. Oh, no, we didn't get to the fourth, fourth moat. Sorry, no, you like you <laughs> weren't even paying attention. Were you? <laughs> the, the fourth moat was is brand. So right. used to you know the Labor brand or the Liberal brand. It used to used to convey you know all, all the or had all these brand associations and across the country you knew what you were getting if you're voting for the Labor candidate. Mm. That doesn't help anymore because. You know that's what really the Liberal Party really struggled with is you have the demands of your inner city uh, populations and you're trying to balance those with the demands of your your regional populations mm. and they want entirely different things and you know the Liberal Party seemed to make that strategic choice that they were going to stick with their their more, more regional sort of right wing um, policies and the inner cities really turned on them right um, and so th- so the brand doesn't really help you and and that's kind of I think just a general trend anyway that people want customization they want things made specifically for them they want yeah they want they want their product tailored to mm. them they're not willing to just accept whatever the brand has to offer like the, the parallel i keep thinking of with this is like where when virgin came in and disrupted qantas so then qantas like okay people want cheaper flights well qantas isn't about cheap that we can't dilute the brand that way mm. so we'll just launch an entirely new company called the Jetstar yeah. and that Jetstar offers the cheap things so the Liberal Party needed to do something like that they needed to launch their inner city Liberal or whatever that would be <laughs> couldn't they have just got rid of the Nationals <laughs> <laughs> yeah well no that well I mean that, but they had to make that choice mm. yeah you, 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 it was an impossible choice you, you lost one or the other because they just wanted different things yeah right um, yeah so in business like Liberals would have would have launched in a in a liberal or teal liberal or something and <laughs> and then try to keep the whole show together. Liberal light, liberal light. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Thomas. You know I loves me some data. The uh, wage and labour data was out last week. What did we learn? Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Job status continues to outperform. It's came in a stellar unemployment rate down to three point nine percent. That's a forty-eight year low. Right. It's the lowest level since nineteen seventy-four. 
Yeah, so that's going great, Guns. Did we have our highest level of unemployment in 1974? Sorry, lowest level. Lowest level, sorry. That seems like a strange era to have low unemployment. 1974? Yeah, that was like... You weren't around. No, no. <laughs> no, but historically looking back, like, there's like, it was like, you know, the kind of surfy era, the hippie era, like, it seemed like there would have been a lot of people who were unemployed during that time. Yeah, no, it wasn't really. Well, they they probably weren't looking for work. That's, ah. the, that's the thing. If you're not looking for work, you a hippie count. in a yeah hippie in a combi going for a surf, right? Don't count the yeah. But you know, unemployment was below two percent through the sixties and seventies. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, back that was Australia back then. Just Did they anyone have COVID who wanted a back job then, or was that? No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> what the? Wow. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah, and then boomers like to complain about how hard they had it. <laughs> yeah, so good result. Down unemployment, the number of unemployed now is down to just 537,000 people, so without a job officially. Right. That's down from 700,000 just before COVID hit. And, yeah, according to the ABS job ads, there's 400,000 open job ads. So, yeah, 400,000 open positions, 537,000 unemployed. So wow. like pretty balanced. Yeah, so it's pretty... Why don't we just give them all a job? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got to, if they got to, they got to be in the right, the right match yeah. in the right, right industries and things. But, but people are talking about like this, is, this is, is about as good as it gets, the unemployment rate. Like can't, you know, maybe, maybe we get down to three and a half, mm. may, maybe a touch below that, but it's like hard to see it really going lower than that. Um, have... Foreign workers come back yet? Are they coming no, back? No, no. Immigration's still negative. Right. We're still, we're still losing population. So that's down from, you know, that's two hundred to 300,000 since the Howard era. Has been, immigration's been running at that level. Um, yeah, so that's obviously obviously that's having an impact, mm. keeping the unemployment rate lower than it, than it would be. But Right. But even, even yeah, with that, it's still the, the jobs market's still looking pretty strong. I keep reading it's seasonally adjusted, this data. Like, what does that mm. mean? Do some people only like to work in summer? Yeah. Um, you just, you just, there's some seasonal factors you sort of, there's sort of like a, a mathematical equation that sort of looks at what happens in different months and then tries to smooth it out. Like, you know, Christmas time, there's a lot of people right. who, you know, that has an impact on like retail sales. There's a big impact on retail sales in Christmas. Mm. So you're trying to like smooth that out. So that's what seasonally adjusted means. Right. Try to you try to strip out the seasonal factors. They might not be that big. Like I don't know if they're that huge in the labour market. Yeah, right. The really interesting thing in the week. So while, while <laughs> oh, the here we go. <laughs> sorry, I thought we I thought we could we thought we peaked. So, thought we'd peaked I didn't know where we'd go from from seasonally adjusted <laughs> trimming the smoothing out the Christmas rush. <laughs> I thought, we haven't even got to the interesting bit yet. Okay, <laughs> hit me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So while 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 the, yeah while the job starter is really hot, wages we got wages as well. Mm. We got wages on the Wednesday. That came in much weaker than expected. Not much, but substantially weaker than expected. People thought it might pop. We might see a lot of wage price pressure. It didn't happen. We got 0.7 in the March quarter, 2.4% over the year. This is wages growth, yeah? So this is this is what mm, we're talking about? Yeah. Like it's not? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So how, how quickly wages are increasing? Yeah, 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 that's right, right. that's right. Yeah, so 2.4% over the year, 2.4% over the year mm. pretty underwhelming. It's not enough. I mean, not enough. Not en- Well, it literally is not enough. So, yeah, when, with inflation running at 5.1%, mm. you can take inflation away from 
wage price growth and you get real wage growth, so mm. you, the growth in purchasing power, uh, 2.4 minus 5.1 is 2.7. So real wages have fallen by 2.7% mm. over, over the past year. So your ability to go out and buy stuff, that's now 2.7% lower than it was yep. a year ago. That's the biggest fall in over 20 years because inflation is quite high at the moment, mm. relatively. Yeah, so real wages are going backwards and they're going to keep going backward, backwards. People saying like, well, that's that's not a great outcome. Mm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting in that sense, like real wages are going down, so that hurts consumers. That's sort of not great for households. They're going to have to sort of cut more into, dig more into their discretionary spending to sort of meet their essentials, that sort of thing. So, yeah, households are going backwards is what that means. Mm. But the, the real big thing, though, is that, you, I don't know if you remember, so like since, the, since late last year through most of this year, the RBA was saying that they were going to wait until they saw wage price pressure, like... So they're looking for the, they put a number on it too. They said wage price index are above three percent, three to four percent, yep. before they would raise rates. Because until they got that, they weren't confident that they'd get inf- inflation in the two to three tar- two to three percent target band. So they said they were going to wait for that p- three plus percent. Then they surprised us last month with a rate hike, mm. um, even though we hadn't seen that wage data. But what they said in the minutes is said, yep, yeah, we, we know we said we would wait for the wage data, but we've been talking to a lot of businesses and businesses are telling us that wages are definitely going up, so we guess we're just going to pull the trigger. <laughs> and we're, we've been talking to a lot of businesses and this time we're going to listen. This time we're, we're actually, uh, yeah, we, we dropped the ball on interest rates, so now we're, we're heeding, our, heeding the warning and they're gonna mm. they're gonna do something about it, but it, but it now looks like they were you know initially right. they're going to wait for this this release of the wage price index, mm. but they they just pulled the trigger early, but now it's come out and said and it kind of says oh we well, probably should have just waited actually because this, wages aren't growing you know anywhere near what we were worried about right, um, so it looks like the RBA has jumped the gun, which then means that all the market economists are now ratcheting back their expectations for rate hikes through the year. So ah. whereas they were expecting them to hike rates aggressively and quickly because the inflation data came in hotter than expected, now wages data has come in softer than expected. So now they're like, oh, well, maybe it's not going to rise so quickly or it's not going to get so high. Hang on, I'm confused. So why does so the RBA doesn't want wage growth? No, no, they do. They they want they want they they want it in the three to three to four percent. Mm. They, they say. So they, remember, they they have an inflation target. They're trying to get inflation yeah. in a two to three percent target band. Yeah, they working. say for that to happen, the, in wages needs to be running at three to four percent. Right. Yeah. They want to see wages growing in a three to four percent target band as well. Effectively. Yeah. What they were worried about in April when they when they hiked rates was that yeah that it was actually running hotter than that and they were behind the curve. Right. Sorry, sorry, in the May meeting. So okay. they were worried that they were behind the curve and they needed to get out in front of the curve. And right. they're like, yeah, we, we believe that wages are where we want them to be, so now we're going to start winding things back. So they were just guessing. They didn't know. They didn't have the data. They were just kind of... Uh, we like to call it forecasting. <laughs> <laughs> you call it what you want. It's guessing. They were just guessing at where wages were and then and they kind of got it, they got it wrong. So now it's yeah. it's not panicked. Can can they influence wages at all? The RBA, no. like not they they raise rates. interest rates to cool inflation. Can they do anything mm. to raise or or lower wages growth? 
Uh, I mean, effectively, to the extent that lowering wages, sorry, lowering interest rates stimulates the entire economy, and Mm. then as the economy gets stimulated, wages growth picks up because there's so much economic activity. To that extent, it has an impact, but it's it's not direct, no. That doesn't work anyway, does it? Because if you lower rates, then inflation grows because there's more money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this is this is the balance. That's why economics is hard. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I'm already. I've been at it three minutes. I'm already painted myself into a corner. All right, why don't we take a quick break here, grab a word from this week's sponsor. On the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about skyrocketing wheat prices as well as McDonald's plans to leave Russia. Back with more on Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. Of course, you can send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or via the website, equitymates.com forward slash cve. And you can also get us on Instagram and Facebook at cve podcast. Thomas, mm. India is banning wheat exports. What's going mm. on there? Yes, yeah, this, this is a bit of a grim story. Yeah, so India is, is banning wheat exports. So India is the world's second largest producer of wheat. Mm. Um, yeah, but they've had a heat wave that's probably like through, yeah, a heat wave that's sort of been pretty brutal and it's apparently knocked 10% of wheat production out of the, well, the, 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 the harvest is going to be 10% smaller. Right. So that's creating a bit of a big drama. Uh, wheat prices were already up thanks to the war in Ukraine. Um, remember Ukraine and Russia together account for 25% of wheat exports. So we, yeah, wheat prices have been soaring. Wheat prices are now up 62%. From where they were at the start of the year, so that's a it's a big jump. Yeah, so but the India Indian government's worried that it's getting out of hand. That uh, wheat price inflation is going to hurt local consumers. So they're not going to be able to afford food. That's going to create dramas. And to try and keep a lid on prices, they've they've banned product export. So they're not going to export any wheat. Are we ang- are we angry at that India is hogging all the wheat, or are we okay? Well, personally, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not they're, good they're, sharing, as I tell my children. <laughs> no. no, I mean no, they're, they're doing they're doing the right thing. So yeah. they're still they're allowing for when there's letters of credit and there's contracts that have been signed. They're allowing those to go through. They're also taking requests from countries that are trying to meet their food security needs. So right. if you gen, if people genuinely need it, then they're they're open to that. But they are trying to sort of limit how much they're they're shipping around and, and look after the local population. Hmm. I mean, it, the interesting thing is that it all ties in with this sort of growing theme of a food crisis. 
um, that's, that, that yeah, seems to be brewing. heard a bit about this. Mm. Mm, mm. Yeah, so UN Secretary-General Antonio Guterres was uh, yeah, saying that there's, we risks, yeah, shortages related to Ukraine could tip tens of millions of people over the edge into food insecurity, leading to malnutrition, mass hunger and famine in a crisis that could last for years. Um, the US Secretary of State says it's the greatest global food security crisis of our time. The Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey is saying it's apocalyptic. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah, pretty yeah, yeah, pretty serious. Is I mean, it, so is it just a problem for developing countries, or is this like a, a food crisis that's going to hit hit us, hit the rest of the Western world, rest of the developed world? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's going to touch us. Like Australia is is food sovereign, so we should be okay. But. That said, there, like you look at the, the structure of the food crisis, it's a, it's a bunch of things feeding into each other. So you had the pandemic and then all the supply chain disruptions from that. You had a lot of the labor force knocked out with COVID, so mm. they weren't able to do that. And then you had a lot of extreme weather events like the heat wave in India. And then you've also got rising oil prices from Ukraine. Um, so that, well, the war in Ukraine has restricted supply like for commodities like wheat but the the spike in oil prices also then feeds through into fertilizer and fertilizer prices are through the roof at the moment too and that's where it can start to impact developed countries like australia is if we're using a lot of fertilizer then we can really struggle with that right so we're so what you're saying we're food sovereign Mm. But only if we can get the things we need to grow the food. To make the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that seems a pretty precarious situation. But I don't know that I'll be walking around spruiking how food sovereign we are. <laughs> we are. Yeah, we rely on oil prices to sort of drive our tractors and, mm. and fertilizer to, to make it happen. So, yeah, like it, it does affect us. I don't, I don't, no, one, no one in Australia is talking about it becoming a crisis. But right. It's probably it's probably where it's probably going to hurt is more in your middle income countries. Yeah, that's sort of where they're saying like you know fer- they're saying fertilizer is going to have a big impact on Brazil. Brazil uses a lot of fertilizer. Right. And the other thing, the other thing with the middle income countries is that they're they're pretty fragile at the moment anyway because they've just been through COVID. A lot of middle income countries ran strong social programs through COVID. So there's a lot of income support, a lot of health support, um, and they spent a lot of money. Uh, and went into a lot of debt to sort of ride out the COVID wave. But that means that they're not, the cupboard's bare, like they don't have anything to fight a food crisis with. They've run out of money, run out of money, basically. All right. And so, yeah, so, so one risk report was saying that the countries to watch in this are Egypt and Brazil, um, Argentina, Tunisia, Pakistan, and the Philippines. Like they're, the, they're your middle income countries that are probably going to. Argentina. Have, you know, not, Argen- mm, not Argentina. Yeah. Argentina, sorry, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Argentina's got a lot of problems, yeah, so... I'll just correct you wherever yeah, I can. That's a, that's a <laughs> sport for me. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Good catch. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's going on. And the other part of it is, though, so we do have these agencies, like the World Bank has a food has food programs, um, and so far they've spent $30 billion trying to support countries get the food they need. Mm. But they're buying wheat and food at market prices, so as prices go up, they're not able to, you know, they're able to buy less and mm. support countries less and less. So, yeah, that's that's where it. Wow. Gets, so we've got a we've got an oil bit. crisis and a, a food crisis. So, so we've got energy and food. 
<laughs> we're, yeah. we're struggling for uh, with the world over the next little mm. while. It's, uh, mm. If you're looking for good news on this show, you know, <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to tell you, uh, you're not yeah. going to find too much of it. Most importantly, though, is Weetbix going to be okay? Because that's my mm. that that's my pretty much that was my COVID plan. Everyone went out and bought toilet paper. <laughs> I just bought like ten boxes of Weetbix. Weet-Bix. That was. Yeah. <laughs> Built yourself a fort. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. That's what I built my COVID bunker out of. <laughs> Just boxes of weed. All right, Thomas, big news. McDonald's has made the decision to leave Russia. What's going on there? Yeah, so McDonald's is joining a long list of companies now that's um, backing the the, the, the political uh, sanctions on, on Russia. So we've had sort of state-sponsored sanctions through US and Europe, mm. uh, but companies are joining in as well. They're sort of bailing on Russia. So about 350 companies now at last count have, really? have um, scaled down or, or bailed on Russia altogether. And big companies like Amazon, Apple, Volkswagen, Toyota, Samsung, right. Bumble, Bumble's out. Bumble? What's that? Oh, the dating app. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I'm so out yeah. of touch. I don't even know what Bumble yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do, it turns out. <laughs> Which is, I'm sorry, Anna, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't know why I know what it is. <laughs> I have no good explanation for that. Um, right, Russia, yeah, yeah. Russia's is getting pretty dire situation there. I, I saw it, um, mm. Russia announced it was allowing over 40s to join the army. So... It's kind of oh, interesting. Really? They're getting they're getting a bit desperate. Apparently, in, in a further move between now and when the last McDonald's store closes, every Happy Meal comes with a family conscription voucher for the whole family to join the army. So <laughs> it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the last store has actually closed now, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, thirty years, thirty mm. years McDonald's were there, and then I saw McDonald's. people have started stockpiling McDonald's before the last one shut. <laughs> There's this guy who's like, he took a photo of his of his fridge, and he's got like fifty cheeseburgers, McDonald's cheeseburgers, in his fridge. Wow, it's probably a black market for them. Well, I think they're no, he's just they're just selling them online. People have been loading up. Oh, really? Waiting for? I mean, oh my god, things are bad when you're buying used McDonald's Happy Meals. The toys have already been made. <laughs> There's a bite out of your kid's burger. Um, no, apparently a, a guy, um, sorry, a meal with two burgers, two drinks and a cherry pie was being sold for about $84 Australian on <laughs> online, which you talk about your depreciating assets. Wow. That's not, that's not, from the time you list... <laughs> <laughs> to the time the auction closes, that's um, yeah. that's going to be significantly less valuable. Yeah, no, they should have made it an NFT. That's yeah. <laughs> um, I did read too, though, McDonald's isn't actually removing the restaurants. They said it's a process that they call de-arching. So <laughs> <laughs> they're not actually getting rid of like the, the bricks and mortar and everything, Wankers. the restaurant that, that existed. <laughs> They're leaving all that there. They're just de-arching, which, you know, the golden arches, right? So, right, right. So like the, the cookers and the fryers and the, the drinks machine, <laughs> whatever, are still it's staying still behind. So, right. So they'll come back at some point. Well, no, they said they're permanently moving out. Like they, initially they announced I think it was temporary, but now they've said, no, nah, that's it, we're out, um, yeah. which creates an incredible opportunity 
for someone to finally set up a McDowell's chain <laughs> in <laughs> Russia, a la coming to America from the yeah. movie from the eighties. Um, well, I think he had the he had the golden arcs, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, just a direct yeah. McDonald's ripoff. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think this is this is a this is go time for McDowell's. <laughs> but you, you got to wonder, like, who cares if McDonald's? Like, I get there's a general kind of you know it's bad that all these Western companies are leaving. But I wondered, mm. like, what would be the impact if McDonald's left Australia? Mm. Do you reckon mm. that would have serious ramifications, or do you reckon we'd all just go, nah, I kind of miss? The Big Mac every now and then. I don't eat it very often, so I don't know whether it's a big thing or not. But I'd like to think, I'd like to think as a society in Australia, we'd adjust fairly quickly to I McDonald's you'd leaving. You'd want to hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd want to hope so. Yeah. Like it's not a staple. Like <laughs> we, we can deal with a global wheat shortage, but don't you dare touch my McNuggets or <laughs> there'll, there'll be trouble. Um yeah, I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, I, like, are there, would there be massive? I mean, there'd be job losses. That's the big one, obviously. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say, like, a lot of people say that um, McDonald's is really a property business. That McDonald's buys properties in in sweet locations, and that's that's the real heart of the business. So they're, <laughs> they're just a property investment firm that is mm. sitting on like increasing land value. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which is what that when they say with the de- the dearching process tells me that they're hanging on to the land. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm. Oh, mm. Well, anyway, they're they're getting out of Russia, so we'll see how that plays out. In any case, the be- the burgers are better at hungry Vlad's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, that does us for this week. Thank you once again for tuning in. Don't forget, uh, tell someone you know that you're enjoying the show. Tell them if you think they might enjoy it. We'd really love for you to do that for us. Uh, and don't forget to check out all the other great podcasts from Equity Mates Media. Get started investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, You're in Good Company, Talk Money to Me, Crypto Curious, and The Dive. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back more with more next week on Comedian versus Economist. Bye for now. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.